and welcome to another episode of From the Low Level. I'm your host, Moshi. I'm Patrizio. How could you do this to me? How could you all do this to me? (laughs) Wow. The way we are going to dive into the Dinner from Hell Part 2, I cannot wait. But um, before we do that, Patrizia, how's your week been? I mean, the sun is shining, the birds are chirping. Spring has sprung, honey. Spring, spring is sprunging. Spring is sprunging. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, having just a couple of warmer days, my whole attitude has shifted. Oh. I actually watched a lot of these episodes and laughed out loud instead of like just dying internally just a lot of they, they gave me it brought me a lot of joy this week and I think the weather was like allowed me to be a bit more delusional and find them all entertaining I'm really glad to hear that because your attitude did need a shifting <laughs> you're one to talk <laughs> I'm chaotic evil and I know <laughs> fair enough at least you own it that's all we could ask for all right so speaking of owning it you own the word on the street so tell me what it is well Moshi, th- this morning I, w- I woke up to a message from you to say that the greek leaks has passed we got the news earlier this week that he was approaching the end of his life but obviously yeah. it has happened now there's been an outpouring of love towards Greg and Nini because, you know, he was obviously a big Bravo house husband. I mean, I think Greg is probably like the OG house husband that we liked. Okay. I mean, I didn't, I never watched Atlanta in the early days. Ah, uh, okay. So he was pivotal. I think he was so pivotal in balancing Nini. Like, they made just such a good pair, even though they had a lot of ups and downs, in, particularly in those earlier episodes. I mean, like, they got a whole divorced and then got remarried on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, it was interesting for a while there. But, I, um, yeah, for, for all, of, all of the drama that they went through and everything that we've gone through with Nini, he was definitely, like, he brought out the best in her. Yeah, and I mean, he was in remission, and obviously the cancer came back. Um, very sad, but there is karaoke night at the Linithia Club to celebrate Greg's life. The way the way that you could say that, like, and not even take a breath, like, just go straight into the fact that at the Linithia bar there is a club night. Well, you know, something needs someone needs to pay for the funeral, and you Ooh. know it's going to be a huge funeral, honey. Well, you know what? Maybe karaoke was what he loved the most. So I'm not going to pass judgment on why they're holding karaoke night. You know, not to be uncouth, but um, I would, if I passed away, and when I do pass away, but say I was to pass away prematurely because I am still in the prime of my life. um, If you were to do karaoke in my honour, I would be okay with that. Oh, I was really worried that you were going to say, like, at my funeral, you have to do karaoke. Which song are you going to sing? And I really panicked. I was like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> oh, my God. So maybe in my will, I need, or in my, like, funeral plans, 
I need to choose the song for you. That's what I'm hearing. That's what my takeaway is from your freak out. In the in the last testament, please. <laughs> if you can nominate it in advance, because otherwise I'm gonna choose some dumb shit. It, it's gonna be Fergalicious, just so you know. Okay, I'm okay with that. Or glamorous. It's definitely gonna be something by Fergie. That's all I can tell you right now. <laughs> Fergie is not where I thought we would land. So this is great information. Oh, I know what your level is. <laughs> <laughs> well rest in peace to greg leaks yes i'm very sad actually about greg passing rest in peace brother um but this was like the other side of the coin today was we finally got the cast photo of the real housewives ultimate girls trip we've landed on a, a name for this mini series this straight to streaming all-stars edition of Housewives. I mean, it was a beautiful photo. I... Gorgeous photo, except... <laughs> was it just me or did somebody seem, like, tacked on the end there? Oh, which one? Is it Ramona? Hang on, I need to go back Ram- and I need to view the photo again. Ramona was on the far left. And, I mean, Kenya Moore was centre stage. And Where she else was, would she be? She made a real point. Well, I guess... We've heard that it's meant to be Cynthia's trip. She's the one that apparently organises it. So why not put her? Oh, it is Ramona. Like, the thing is about these, whenever they do these pictures, is that they have these individual photos and then that they already have, and then they just piece the women together. And it's just like, if they're not all kind of like facing the same way or whatever, they do look a bit funny. So I, I do sort of feel like Ramona on the end, she looks like... She's not really part of it. But, you know, they all do look fabulous, though. Avery clearly took the photo of Ramona in the Hamptons or in Ah. Aspen or wherever she is. She wasn't at the studio with everybody else. Facts. Um, But on the other side of this, you know, we've got... (laughs) Who knew there were more than two sides to a coin? (laughs) (laughs) But... um, in the upcoming Ultimate Girls trip that is slated to be filming very soon, Vicky Gonderson found out that she could not attend because of an unknown cold that she has, a.k.a. coronavirus. But, which, as somebody who is against being vaccinated against this virus, Look, I don't want to see anybody getting COVID because it's a deadly disease. But there is a small piece of satisfaction when people get it who are actively perpetuating anti-COVID sentiment. The fact that, I think it was you, you sent me an article that said that Vicky was upset because her son had gotten the vaccine. Like, she felt betrayed by him. And... Because we know what we know of Vicky, we know that that's not a stretch, that she would feel <laughs> So, I mean, you know, you reap what you sow, honey. You reap what you sow. Well, I know. If you want business continuity, if you want your check paid to you, get your facts and go on your little trip. But Jesus, I love that. Business continuity up in this bitch. Honey, she needs the cash monies that she needs to be on that trip. And now she's at home with her cold. So the other side, the question that I have for you then is, we know that it's also been alluded to that there is going to be 
a return of a former housewife on the current season that's being filmed of the OC. And there was mention in the blogs of it possibly being Vicky. And I think you mentioned because they're shooting in Mexico, Vicky currently resides majority of the time in Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. So I'm wondering, did that, did she, did she affect that filming at all? If it is her or, or we're definitely sure it's the ultimate girl's trip. Um, look, I mean, I saw that the ladies went to Cabo. I think there was, you know, questions whether it was going to be Vicky or Tamara because um, Heather Dubrow was on the Bravo chat room and that's when she dropped that tea that there was somebody coming back. But you know what? I think it was kind of unclear. And I actually want to say that, you know, who has been getting a lot of like... Alexis. Yes. I knew you were going to say it. She's been popping up recently yes i agree with you she's fucking everywhere but i was just thinking wouldn't it be even funnier if it was like lynn <laughs> like <laughs> some random oc housewife from the og series i wouldn't even mind if it was gina i'd be okay with it the original gina not the current gina gina with the J. Well, yeah, but I think the whole thing is that this is clearly Heather's, like, Housewives franchise now, and I think she's calling the shots on who is going to be on the show or not. So I don't think any of those OGs will ever come back. But, I don't know, send one of them to the All-Stars trip. Well, it, it, it would make sense on this All-Stars trip because we know that this, like, second season is kind of the White Housewives who've been banished. Banished. Effectively, they were banished. Not the ones that have been put in the archive, honey. In the archive. Well, I guess it will be seen very soon. That is true. Well, Moshi, we have plenty to dig into today. Potomac, New York, and Beverly Hills. Let's get straight into it with The Real Housewives of Potomac. We're on season six, episode eight. Mm-hmm. And we're halfway through the season because they put the mid-season trailer at the end of this episode. And I don't know. What I think this was a slower episode. Oh, 100% because they're majority of the time all still away. Like they're on their, their girls' trip effectively and only so much can happen. But the thing is, so much happened on the last episode that I think we need like a bit of a, a cool down. And we definitely get the aftermath of this, you know, confrontation between Giselle, Ashley, Robin versus Wendy. <laughs> Sorry, just thinking about what Robin Robin's part in the confrontation is just pure comedy to me. <laughs> well, Moshi, but this was the tea that was spilt this week, that Wendy came out and said... Robin, you know, when the blog was originally released, Robin texted her and wanted to know what kind of lawyer Eddie was so that they could try and get the blogs taken down. Because I think the blog not only had insinuations about Wendy and Eddie's relationship, but I think also some of the other women and potentially Robin here. I agree. So we have this context now that has happened after the fact that Robin knew about the blogs. Not only did Robin know about the blogs, she had messaged Wendy about the blogs. 
And I feel like that changes everything of how I view this episode. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, so so how do you view the episode now? Well, What's the, your stance? The fact that, like, Robin was, like, to Wendy, well, like, what's the blog? What's the blog? Tell us what the blog is. And then, like, just her reaction to everything. It's sort of like I understand why Wendy was so bothered because she's, like, she goes, she in her mind, she knows that Robin has approached her before filming or at least before filming this scene and said like I know about this blog like you should get it taken down like it's talking shit about your marriage right and then for Robert to like perpetuate like this argument and like to contribute to it I understand how Wendy is like I see you like I see you for all you are now and like you have just like completely like you know and it's TV like that's the other thing we have to remember here it is TV but I think at the same time it's just sort of like girl like what are you doing I agree and I mean I thought it was interesting that in this episode somehow Robin tries to turn the table and and Wendy ends up apologizing to Robin um and does not really get an apology at all from Robin. And I, in fact, like Robin sort of doubles down on her, uh, her assertion that her intention when, when this stuff was brought up with Wendy is that she does believe that Wendy has had a personality shift As effectively. That's what they're saying. They're saying it's not your clothes, it's your personality, but for whatever reason that feels very coded and doesn't feel very genuine. So uh, I mean, for me, all my opinion hasn't really changed. It still seems to me very much like Robin and Giselle are thicker than they have ever been, the Green-Eyed Bandits, and they're they're willing to kind of take anybody else down with them. Like, I thought it was interesting that Robin asked, in this episode, Robin sort of asks Giselle, so are we mad at, are we mad at Ashley about anything? I mean, look, Scarlett says it as well. She's like, Robin is a different person around Giselle. Like, she goes hard for Giselle. I mean, it, it's the green-eyed bandits. Yeah, at this point, I don't know if it's the edit, but at this point, there is no way they can be watching this show and not seeing that it seems that, like, like we get it. You can be best friends with someone. Like, 100%, like, if somebody was, like, talking to you a certain way, I would go in for you. But if I thought you were on in the wrong, there is a time where I would pull you aside and be like, I don't really believe that. And I would try to, like, tell you not to go that hard on, like, a specific opinion if if I thought that it was out of line. But it just seems to me that, like, this kind of blind friendship that they have for each other it's a bit toxic. They've become a bit, they just, like I said, they just seem thicker. It just seems, I don't know. I guess they're a brand now as well. They've got their podcast. There's all these other aspects of it. It seems to me like they're very much cultivating really specific identities. And I just feel that this whole, like, I know we're eight episodes into this season, but they just feel so fake to me. The only concession that I'm going to give Robin is that she's clearly going through something right now. 
And not to say that that excuses her behaviour, but perhaps it informs why she's being so messy because she's obviously got something going on. She's depressed. She can't get out of bed. She's got pandemic fatigue. She's got her marriage doing... Well, she's not even married. (laughs) Her relationship doesn't even exist. Please. I mean, it does exist. I thought that that was out of line from Wendy, but... Well, Wendy, as you said, Wendy apologises. <laughs> and, like, that is a very, very loose, like, definition on apology. She <laughs> apologises to Robin, so all's forgiven, according to Washi. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but, honestly, I don't know about you, but are you a bit, like, it was an eventful kind of, you know confrontation but honestly it's like one of the dumbest fights that I've ever seen on Housewives well I think I think Giselle Giselle is the is the puppet master here I think she is the one that's chosen who she wants to take down this season Wendy she, she hates people who are in happy relationships and she wants to see everyone else suffer and people are taking part of it. And Ashley and Robin are guilty by association. So I, I don't know. I think I, I think the conversation needs to be had about Wendy, but I don't think it's been done in the right way. Strongly agree. And Wendy just rises above it all. She, you know, does a little TV bit the next morning and she is, she's there. Honestly, I love that they show that footage. I mean, to me, obviously, I think we know at this point that the producers are never objective. They always also have their own shade that they like to give. And the way that, like, we see Wendy, like, we see TV Wendy literally after she's been ho Wendy, according to them, and then we see her straight after that TV interview, she's in the baby blues in that whole lounge situation, which I would like, by the way. (laughs) And I want that for spring. I want it for spring, honey. That was amazing. And it's just like, yes, you can be multifaceted. You can have multiple personalities. You can be Wendy on Housewives, Wendy on, you know, MSNBC, and then you can be Wendy at home with Eddie. Like, why not? If it's good enough for Madonna, it's good enough for Wendy. Wow. I never thought I would get a Madonna... And reference comparison <laughs> i just mean like why can't people have different personalities at the end of the day the only thing that should matter is their values the only thing that should matter is how they treat you am i wrong no you're not wrong you're correct like if you want to come with your coochie out as long as you're sweet and nice to me still and respectful i'm gonna be like look at you with your coochie out go off Oh my God, I'm going to start doing this podcast with my Gucci out. <laughs> That's really what I was saying. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of coochies, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's only funny because you know what's coming next. <laughs> um, we get this sort of like cutscene to Ashley. She's returned to wherever the hell she lives. Baltimore? Is she in Baltimore? I think she's, she's in Baltimore. Um. And Michael comes home because she's with the kids and his 
bought her a ring. I'm assuming this is her push present. Um, I think it's a guilt present. Okay. What What is he guilty for this time? <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, just that whole package. Like, I, kn- I don't know if Ashley said more and we just didn't get to see it. But, like, you know, Ashley basically says in that little package, I just didn't think that he was capable of being a decent human being. Like, that is essentially what she says. And then she's like, and he has shown me over the last year that he can be a decent human being. She literally says he was super shady and suspicious last season. And it's like, okay, so you're obviously aware of the type of human he is, but it's not like you've only been with him for the last year. You have been with him for many years. You've chosen to have children with him. You've chosen to go into business with him. You've chosen to marry and stay married to him. Like, you, it, it doesn't sound like you have much faith in him. And so, you know, when the ring was, like, symbolic, she says it's, like, symbolic of him trying to kind of atone for all the bad things that he's done. But as we see in the upcoming, you know, the the mid-season trailer we're possibly going to see him back to his old tricks in terms of how he continuously embarrasses her how he argues with the other husbands he doesn't need to like all of these other aspects come into it and I just think I mean we are only seeing like bits and pieces of Ashley but I just think I don't know I just think there's nothing he can do at this point there's nothing redeeming about Michael like it's done Oh, you weren't happy with the with the birthstones and the ring I, look, and the I embracement. Was, I thought it was a sweet gesture, but for me, it was just the fact that it was part of a package that basically says, "I've always known him to be trash." So it's kind of interesting that he is now not being trash because he gave me this ring. I'm like, it takes a lot more than that. So. Oh, well, just it's as just... you said, wait for the trash to jump out because somebody clearly makes a decision that he should be allowed in front of the other Thank cast you. members. And that's when it starts. He's fine. As you've said it before, he's, like, only been shooting with Ashley. He, like, has avoided group scenes up to this point. But apparently, you know, the minute he gets put into a room with other people, that's when he can't, like, control himself. Look, the jury's for the TV show. That's how I feel. That's sad. Um, But look, let's go back to the cast trip because, um, you know, Candice is releasing her her new single. She's doing a music video. And look, I hate to say it, but it's a catchy tune. It's a bop. Do you want me to do my impression of that little bit? (laughs) That was actually... Really good. It was and like, I wow. can't wait for you to Kathy Hilton later. This <laughs> no, I would never do Kathy. But it's just like I really like what I've heard of the song. I'm just like, yes. What about could you do Ebony K. Williams doing Luann? <laughs> we'll get into that. We will get into that, honey. Um yeah, look, it's it is a bop. I hate to say it. Um, no, it's okay. You can look. Candace is being a decent human being at the moment. She's being funny. She's being entertaining, and she's giving us bops. But, honey, once again, much like Michael, it won't last. No, it doesn't. Um, 
Look, there are three different competing groups to be, you know, featured in this music video. Twerk queens, yep. Um, we've got the Twerks a lot. We've got the Nubian queens and we just have Karen. Karen Huger. Karen Huger, the solo act. Moshi, who was your group of choice? Yeah, so I'm going to have to say it's a no for me on all of them. <laughs> As... I know this is like a bit of a um, stereotype, but none of them have rhythm, none of them can dance, and they should all be ashamed of themselves. Like how? Like I, I don't know if it's just because Karen was trying to do like some funky moves, and like she's shouldn't be doing funky moves, but I'm just like, sure. Like I, I'm just like. This has been gyrating kind of sexy dances for eons. Like, you were around in the 70s. Where was a little something with the hips? Like, you were around in the 80s. Like, where is the dancing? You were around in the 90s even. Like, the whole the whole situation, there was no body rolls. Nobody was doing, like, a simple body roll. Like, that is not hard. The whole thing was an embarrassment to black people across the diaspora. So not even Robin, the video ho, nope. impressed you? No. I mean, and Robin's video honus is just her in a tub with Diddy. So It had to yeah. be said. It had to be said. Um, look, Moshi, I am going to give a special mention to the Nubian Queens. I love the inspiration behind the name. But my vote tonight does go to Karen in her TikTok tights twerking like Karen was out of her comfort zone oh, like, going to you know but it was just it was magical like the praying hands at the start it was giving me something I don't know what but I just I was here for it I think it's because she got she went to the floor like she got down on the ground and you've got to give a woman credit I just want to say that Bashan wears that exact same outfit in New York that two-piece TikTok suit. Love it. It's the TikTok tights. They make your ass look 12 times bigger than it actually is, allegedly. <laughs> that is why the kids are wearing them. No, I'm familiar with the tights. A lot of people wear them at the gym. That's all I'm going <laughs> to say. <laughs> um, so after the, they've filmed, well, they've done their little dancing, um, Karen has to leave because she's got her ambassadorship to obtain uh this was a really sweet moment um and i was educated moshi um did you know that three (laughs) wicks on a candle actually increases the amount of perfume you get in a space well yeah because the candle has to be bigger three wick. if you've got a three wick candle it's like a completely different you know i'm all about the candles it's a completely different candle well carrie huger educated me on this I didn't like think this through I didn't realize it was a greater surface area that you could achieve with three weeks I didn't even know that Karen Huger was coming out with a candle range and this is a two wick candle that I'm showing you right now viewers listeners I'm showing the viewers I'm showing Patrizia a two wick candle and now I'm going to show because you know me I've always got the candles beside my bed and now I'm showing you a one-wick candle. I have a, th- I have a three-wick candle in the other room, okay? Because you understand. Nobody's doing one-wick anymore, mate, unless it's a baby candle. 
if if you're really about that candle life and you're doing a candle that like you know is a great a handful you want to be doing a minimum two wicks if you're not get out of town well wendy i hope you're taking notes because she's gonna need at least two wicks I mean, the other side of it that I really loved is, like, Karen tried to, like, reframe it by saying, well, you know, that conversation wasn't about me. It was about Wendy. <laughs> well, but, I mean, you know what? It wasn't a lie, but. I Yeah, and I'm going to be a Karen apologist. I think that, you know what, she didn't come asking for advice about candles. She came in for advice about business. True. But also, Ladan is already in the fragrance world, and everybody knows like pretty much all the great perfumers, like if you're out there buying yourself any of these perfumes, whether it's like a Diptyque or a Byredo or a Lelabo, like any of these fancy new fragrances, they also do the candles. Yeah, you got to have so that. They're adjacent. They're all part of the fragrance world. So it actually makes so much sense to me that you would do a fragrance, you would do a candle as part of La Dame. So now not only can you smell like an old lady, so can your house. And there is the tagline. And there is the marketing. Done. I mean, Ladam, if you're listening, I will accept payment in Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when we're in sync with the jerk. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, the Surrey County ambassadorship, I... I was really loved, you know, the words that Karen said and, you know, bringing her parents into it. But did Ray really have to go up there after her and, like, ask for the microphone? I'm like, let Karen have her moment. And, you know, to quote Pet Shop Boy, men are always ruining these moments. (laughs) And I am done with it. I was like, Ray, just sit there with, stand there with your flowers. You don't need to go up. I'm sure that Karen appreciated it. Well, you know, she's not going to say a bad word against Ray. No, she loves it. Um, Well, after this, after she receives the keys to the city, they go to 7-Eleven and then they go home. Um, They have a dinner. And Robin... See, this is like... This is what I want to talk about. Like, the mess. Robin is messy at the moment. Like, it's not even, like funny yeah not even shady it's just straight up messy because she clearly has organized to have a a facetime call with juan i love that you call him juan Juan. well that's that's his name no i get it but she calls him juan so it's really cute when you say juan and he wants no part of it because because he didn't know what to expect He's not part, he does not like Robin's shenanigans. Well, and that's what this, it's shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans. Not the shenanigans. Shenanigans. <laughs> I'm always going to, I'm always going to quote Kerry saying shenanigans. <laughs> oh, that was... oh, my God. Rest in peace <laughs> but it was messy and I didn't like it and it wasn't funny. It wasn't and... funny. I, I agree with men, Wendy giving her the side eye. Like, it was just, I'm just not into it. I'm not feeling Robin. I really wish Wendy had given her some side boob. I'm sure she gave that as well. Um, but you know what? You know who else is messy at this dinner? <laughs> it's Mia. 
Sorry, What's I loved Mayo. <laughs> that's what you said. Well, that's how I interpret it. <laughs> I don't know why, but I feel like that would be you. That's like something you would do. We've got perhaps, but <laughs> do you think that she's being intentionally messy? Do you think she just has poor memory? Or do you think that she's just like chaotic? I think she was trying to do the right thing, which was be the bone collector, but she came with the wrong bone. Like <laughs> people like, do you know what I mean? Like it's just that simple. Watch her interpretation of the situation is correct. But like if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna come to Wendy with some stuff, you need it to be factual. I, I think she's learnt her lesson. But at the same time, I just love that Wendy was like, Mia, Mia, just stop. Mia, just stop. I was like, this is fucking amazing. But at the same time, Mia was so sweet and innocent. Like, I don't think anybody's going to hold it against her. Yeah, I think that she has good intentions. I don't think she's, like, intentionally trying to, like, start shit. I think you're right. She clearly has just heard what Giselle said, interpreted it, and then given the interpretation rather than the actual quotation. Yeah. I think the thing that's really hard for me to understand, and I say this kind of every week about Giselle, but every single person is kind of trying to say to Giselle, like, you are not a good person. Like, you're not nice. And no, they're all saying it to her because, like, even in that situation, like, uh, Mia brought up the fact that it's like, okay, Wendy and Robin have tried to, you know, come to terms whatever they're going through. But then, you know, Mia, this is kind of also a mess, but Mia's like, but you're, now that your issue, your issue is actually with Giselle, like everybody's trying to call out the fact that like, Giselle, you started this and you have let like Ashley and Robin and all these other little soldiers of yours go in for it with Wendy, but it's you. You need to address why you feel the need to call people out on things when you have not even addressed your own shit at home and are, in fact, making up this COVID situation as the reason why you and Jamal Bryan are not together. Like, come on. It snaps for you, Moshi. I agree. Also, Giselle's confessional outfit, that flowery dress. Like, I love her hair. And, yes, again, beautiful woman. But what the actual fuck? Like, even watching her tennis outfit, it was, like, everything works. There is something just about Giselle's outfits, like, where just when you think she's going to get it right, it just, it's just not quite right. Like, why did her pink leggings have to have that green trellis down the side of them, you know? If they didn't have the green trellis, the pink on pink on pink would have been fine. Why was she wearing what I do believe to be a fake Gucci jumper at that dinner? Then it was like, it was like cute. But again, it's just, she's just missing the mark every single time. She needs a complete wardrobe overhaul. I'm saying it. But I don't think she can say that for herself. Oh, I think think she knows it. No, I I don't think she does because I think like the first piece is like accepting. And I don't think she accepts it. Yeah, I just... You know what? This is where Robin is a bad friend. If Robin really was a good friend, Robin would have told her, again, I think I've said this before, do not wear that. Well, I mean, Robin's a good friend for other reasons. Oh, yeah. Blind face. Anyways, that's 
I just I had to talk about her outfits these this episode because they were just ugh. No, I caught that white Gucci I mean and I spelled Gucci G U C H I in that final dinner as well. So I, agree. I, I saw that and I was like, it's suspicious. You know, I was about to do my Lady Gaga impersonation of her doing House of Gucci. <laughs> and I was just like, it would be offensive. So I'm not going to do I mean, Lady Gaga's portrayal. It's already offensive. <laughs> me doing an impersonation of that, very offensive. <laughs> well, Moshi, before we offend anyone in this podcast okay me let's take a quick break and we'll come back with the flagships and we're back moshi to talk about the sinking (laughs) ship what's wrong it's the way you did out you called us back in like you were the studio on the floor you're the first ad three I loved it. I've never seen professional Patty. It's great. This is a professional production. Is it though? Yes. <laughs> sure. Anyways. Well, Mashi, let's talk about the sinking ship. That's your words, not mine. Um, wow. Of New York. It was our final episode. Question mark. Look. I what I started watching the episode and I didn't realize that it was going to be the finale until the end credits came on. Where were you last week when we were recording this podcast and we discussed the fact that we were coming to the end? Look, I knew we were coming to the end, but I didn't think that this was the end. I, I obviously had also just forgotten. But I mean, can it really be a finale if there isn't a reunion? The following week. Well, so, so we're getting next week a. This to me, it was like um, vintage house lights. We're getting like the never before seen footage. Which we wouldn't get that after the reunion. After but we don't have a reunion yet because we know that they haven't filmed it. There's been, Andy said it is happening. So apparently it's going to be filmed at the end of this month or start of next. They've had to call Luann via telegram because she's in Europe to get her back into the States. They've called everyone up. Apparently Ebony and Ramona had a sit down and they're good to go because they weren't speaking. That was one of the other hurdles for the reunion. I don't know. The thing is, after watching this episode, it was very like, remember Kyle in like Beverly Hills when she was like, it was like the happiest day. Who would know in like yes, three months? Like it was very that because I was like at the end of this episode, I was like, but they're all friends. What went wrong? But I guess you have to watch the show as it's airing. And this is like, I mean, they've ended up, I guess, around Valentine's Day, right? So we're talking February. Yes. It's about six months later. Because it's their Valentine's episode, yeah. Um, so, well, look, we're getting the random never-before-seen episode. We Some of the stuff that's in this episode was actually in the mid-season trailer. Like, yeah. I think that the throwdown of the boxing and all the rest of it, that was all in there. So, 
you know, is it actually like a never before seen episode? Is this just like stuff that should have been in the show, but for whatever reason wasn't? Like, I don't know. So my thinking is that obviously a huge part of why, like we spoke last week about the rumours, the fact that there's no reunion immediately after, the fact that there are people who are not talking to each other, all this sort of stuff is because, you know, after they've obviously filmed and everybody's watching, it's the low ratings, it's the criticisms of the show, it's all the egos, it's, you know, Ramona feeling obviously like, you know, she's been put out to dry, but, I mean, she was herself. And so now I'm wondering if it's, like, the editors being, like, okay, maybe we didn't edit this right and they're trying to, like, redeem some of the quality of the show. But it's, like, if you didn't give us, like, if that wasn't the best of the footage that you had, like, to me, that's, then to me, the the people who should be taking responsibility should be production. I just want to say that the fact is that Bravo has not come out at all and condemned any of what Ramona has said or done this season. There has been no apologising to any minority groups at all, like we have seen in other franchises in the past 12 months. So there is an acceptance of Ramona's behaviour from the network. I will also say that I saw this on Instagram, and you know me, I never remember where I see anything, but there was a suggestion as well that not only did they film this season, not only did they know what was in the season, but then they flew Ramona onto the ultimate girls' trip. Correct. Yeah. So... I don't I don't think anyone is concerned at the moment about like the optics. I think the thing, you know what? After everything that I have heard about like Ebony being the problem, or that's what the that's what the network perceives the problem to be, like I'm gonna say that it all checks out at this point. Okay. That's that's the end of our discussion on Real Housewives. <laughs> I mean, you said it, Patty. There is nothing that you said that I could I disagree with all i want to do is just give you snaps i mean you know what i don't know what ebony can sue them for but she should take them to court because she is ebony k williams and she's holding court (laughs) (laughs) honestly i mean it, it it is just i think a bit of a letdown because i mean as you do know i spent quite a bit of lockdown re watching all of new york and I proclaimed it as my favourite franchise. And I think prior to this season, that still holds up. And I'm still here to give it a chance to redeem itself. Um, I just think that the issue with the season is a multitude of problems. I also, like, I think I said it earlier at the beginning of the season, I don't think everybody really came to play. Like, nobody, there, nobody really had the energy to film, which also makes sense because we're in a pandemic. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right to call out the fact that Ramona has really kind of gotten away with beyond bad behaviour at this point. And... Oh, I don't think she's been gotten away with it. I think she has been rewarded Rewarded. for her bad behaviour because it's clear that she's in the driver's seat right now. She has been sent to the Caribbean on the Ultimate Girls trip. She's now, like, 
hold herself up in Aspen. And I reckon that she is the reason why this reunion has not gone ahead. I think that she is the one that is making demands and, you know, she knows that she, unfortunately, at the end of the day, people, for whatever reason, love to watch the mess that is Ramona Singer. And so she knows that she has this bargaining chip that she can use. Yeah, it's that's actually kind of gross and it's just a shame. Totally. Um, you know, I did see as well that, like, apparently Luann, Ramona and Sonia have all been offered, like, friend contracts for next season. Obviously, Luann and Ramona have said no, but they are also the most costly housewives. And Ramona, I mean, she's an OG and, like, she's still earning that, like, that cash money that they don't get anymore. But apparently Sonia has said yes to a friend contract. Yeah, I think... I, I I said at the beginning of this season, Sonia does not want to still be doing Housewives. Sonia is ready for the next episode because I think the townhouse and Housewives are the same thing for Sonia. They take her to a very dark place and she's not around people who champion her. She's around people who want to see her fall. So, Yeah. <sighs> Well, Moshi, should we get into this week's episode? <laughs> I, think, I think we just did. No, I'm kidding. Look, let's talk about some of the highlights because as much as we're not getting a reunion, this was like a very interesting episode. Moshi, so, we're getting a reunion. It is just nah. delight. There's, but it, if it hasn't come at that time straight after the episode, it's not a reunion to me. To me, it's like a... I should have come up with a name for it. It's like a pulse check. It's not a proper reunion. It's you like know? a Teresa checks in. Yes, it's like a Teresa. It's a, it's a survey. It's not a reunion. Um, but, you know, some highlights for me while I was watching the beginning of this episode, I was like, at last, we can have our Patrizio after dark segment. Oh. Excuse me. The girls are discussing their best and worst sexual experiences they are putting pasties on their nipples and they are freeing the boob. Were you surprised that all these women have the breasts of 19-year-olds? <laughs> I mean, I was surprised to see a lot of these women's breasts. I mean, I think over the years, Sonia has been the most naked. 100%. Um, so I'm not surprised to have seen Sonia take it all off. I mean, I love how she was like, I'm not wearing a, a nice bra today. Like, there's just like, I love it. Love to see it. Um, Ebony, I was surprised. I mean, like Ramona, I was surprised. But I think like Luann. I don't know. It's just in my mind, I never expected to have seen Luann's tits. Facts. Ebony's the only one out of all of them who hasn't had a boob job. Yeah, they were all natural. They were all natural. The rest of them all had the... I don't know about you, but they had the exact same breasts. Like, they were the exact same ones. It was weird. (laughs) Do you think if Ebony comes back next season, she will have the Wendy, like, mummy makeover, new tits, new ass, no waist... Look, I don't think she's going to do the butt, but we know she's already done the nose. She's already done the tits. Um, no. I I think, you know, when if she comes back next season, we're getting 
full conversion is what we're getting. Full conversion to, to, to Judaism, like I, e- I, oh, you said Eminem, I want to reverse my unorthodox life. I want them all, like all the real housewives of New York, convert to Judaism. Yeah, that's what we're gonna get from Leah. Sorry. So Ebony, no, no, Ebony is staying the way she is. Um, I mean, it was like amazing. They were clearly, obviously, drunk enough. I mean, Ramona. I feel like as well, though, Ramona. Given that she got her tits out first, I feel like that was a motivator for a lot of the women. I feel like if Ramona had done that, it just would have been Leah. Well, Leah was never going to get her tits out because they were still so new. What's why spend all that money even if they haven't settled? Get them no, out because they're because when they're healing, they need to be strapped in still. Like it's a health thing. You can't just let them go. You're putting stuff in your body. Well, you got a shower, so she can take it off a lot. No, apparently, I think when you, I haven't had a boob job. That's my friend who's had a boob job, but there's still the special bra, and I'm pretty sure they have to shower in it and everything. Like you have to be very careful. You've got. How new were her tits? Huh? How new were the tits? Your body is really healing. It's like major surgery, Patrizio. Oh God. Well, I guess she wasn't expecting that. Yeah, was going to have the base tits. Thank you. Um, I mean, in the best and the worst sexual experiences. It's wild to me that what drove them to that conversation was Harry Dubin. Um, well, I mean... But yeah, I mean, those were interesting conversations. Ramona's again, dare I say it, the most interesting. If Ramona is an animal in bed. I just know it. We all know it. They all are. But I think, okay, so do you agree? Ebony said that of all the women, she thinks that Lou is probably the best lover. Um, I, I, I'm going to say probably yes. Apart from maybe Leah? No, I think uh, Leah would be rubbish. Starfish. <laughs> Total starfish. Starfish. I think Sonia would be like too much of a mess to know like what's exactly going on i feel like sonia has never had sex and she falls asleep before it happens like every <laughs> time. okay so the other question is did you like sonia's method for trying before you buy that was molestation i mean it wasn't her her cracking onto Luann had nothing to do with the story itself. She just oh, wanted to grow Luann, I, as she I do does every season. Issues. I do have some issues around Sonia and consent. <laughs> I know you're laughing, and I know that, like, perhaps there's an unwritten contract, but you can't just do that sort of stuff anymore, Sonia. I'm, that's, I'm not... the world, that's not the world we live in anymore. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be a Sonia apologist in this moment. Thank but, you. But it's Sonia Rita. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, I thought I thought that, that was quite nice. It was quite candid. It was silly. It was fun, and I think it's always interesting to know that beyond a certain age, women still have interesting sex lives. Oh, uh, I'm. <laughs> you were just gonna say. Have sex, cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. 
No, these women, I think they're hornier than ever. But you know what, though? They have all seen the gynecologist, the endocrinologist. They are on all the hormones. So, like, I'm sure they have the same estrogen levels and the same testosterone levels as a teenage girl going through puberty. Like, they wow. are pumped with hormones, I think. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. Oh, Ramona's never going through menopause. No way. Nah. And I'm surprised she doesn't talk more about how she's still on her period. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. With that said, I want to talk about the pièce de résistance of this episode, which is the identity swap party. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is possibly the best thing Luann has ever done. I, I really, you know... I'm troubled by this because <laughs> <laughs> I saw some commentary again on Instagram and I'm like, I can never credit who I ever see this from one day I'll learn. But, you know, it was sort of like the fact that everyone was like, this was such a fun episode. The New York girls are back. And it's sort of like in the context of like Ebony trying to discuss like, you know, race issues in the U S for the past season and the way that they just don't talk about any social justice issues and then it's all of a sudden it's back to being the best? No, I so I, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, I was just saying that I think that this identity swap party was really fascinating because to me it the fact that they can take the piss out of each other, like I liked the pairings that... Uh, Luann came up with I thought that was very smart I thought there was definitely elements of it that were problematic I do particularly think that Sonia's there were elements of Sonia's portrayal of Bashan and Luann's portrayal of Ebony that were so problematic Um, really what were they so it has more to do with um, I always forget what the what the terminology is um, but the way that, like, I mean, it's not that it, the way that Luann, said, like, basically just says that kind of the only thing that Ebony says is y'all and queen, like, to distill everything that Ebony talks about and that the way that she is down to, like, she says y'all and queen is, like, it's rude. And even if those are things that are part of Ebony's vernacular, she says a lot more other things. Like she has another way of speaking. Um, And I thought, you know, Sonia kind of did the same thing with Bashan, like distilling Bashan, like like putting on like kind of an accent. And it is kind of a black scent, you know, that's what that's called. And I was just like, those things, like, I get it. I get that that is, but that that's not, that's just them being like their most authentic selves. In the same vibe, though, I did think that Ebony, I guess, kind of did the same thing to Luann a little bit in, you know, talking in a specific posh voice and, and putting on airs. But I just, I do, look, at the end of the day, I think, for me, what I liked about it is that they were all in a place where they could just take the piss out of each other and not be offended by it. 
it was fun. It was good. I, it it worked out a lot better than I thought it would. Yes. It's like that 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 contract that like this unwritten contract that you kind of write with people where you're like you can do it but the other person can't. Like to be at that level, I thought that was really interesting. I just think it shows that they've come a lot of way in terms of like understanding each other and create and setting boundaries and say setting what they're willing to accept from one another and I thought it was interesting it's also an interesting exercise in sort of looking at well what have you actually learned about me you know what what is it about me that you know I I did like Ramona's portrayal of Leah and I thought it was particularly funny that the bartender was attracted to Ramona as Leah. Uh, it was awkward, but it was interesting. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting. Like I love, you know. Look, I'm constantly making like doing little impressions and skits of people. So as long as we all know that it's coming from a good place and that it's comedy and that it's meant to be funny, like I thought it was a better version of the Snatch Game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, look. That was a rant, sorry. Even if... But these women don't understand what it means to offend someone. You know what I mean? Like, Luann, she literally was in blackface. And we didn't do it this time. Well, like, thank God that her PR person has explained to her why she can't do that. But, like, it's sort of like, I don't think, like, these women are like, except for like Ebony, like aware enough to know that people were like giving microaggressions out or like offending people and all the rest of it. You know what I mean? Like Ramona's not going to ever know that. Bless her soul, but she's just not. But, you know, I think, I I don't know how I feel about the pairings. Like I, I, I feel like I would have been more interested just to see, like, a whole mix match of people. Like, yes, it was, like, funny to see, like, obviously because Ebony's had, like, drama with Luann. So put Ebony as Luann. Like, that's funny. Ramona, the same thing with Leah. But, like, I would have been more interested to see, like, I don't know, Luann trying to be Sonia or something else instead. Like, mix it up a little. Okay. I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, that also would have worked. But I think it was, like, they had a sixth, so they had to do it that way. Well, yeah, I, I feel like the only reason why they invited Bashan was so that they could do this whole pairing thing. Like maybe. Um I I mean, who look who who was the best? In terms of the impersonations. I loved Ebony's portrayal of Luann. Like she was wearing it's the Giovanni, funny. she had the microphone. The way the, she, the the happy birthday she wore the the crown because she's the countess she and the way that she ha- sung as uh, Luann as well was like spot on for me I, I mean I think she was the best of the night I think like honorable mention to Ramona it it wasn't the thing about. Uh, Leah is that she actually does have style and I feel like that was missing from Ramona like the hair was like ratchet and Leah doesn't ever look ratchet 
okay, perhaps she does to you. <laughs> like, I just feel like her hair is never like, like, like you could tell Ramona was like wearing like hair extensions. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Leah, in one of her confessional looks, that's how she has her hair. Okay. Interestingly, Sutton also has really bad hair extensions in her confessional looks. <laughs> I will also say that there was a scene where we see them getting ready and Leah was wearing this black dress with her tits out and that was so much more of a Ramona outfit than that gold number that she wore. I I think that like Ramona would wear the gold dress but not anymore. Back in the day maybe but not now. I see her wearing the black one so much more so I was disappointed that 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 was a real fail for me. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Sonia and Bashan, I, I think, like, I was confused by that whole pairing. So was I. I was confused by the pairing. I was confused by the the outfits. They were essentially also wearing the exact same thing. I will say, though, <laughs> it was interesting to see Sonia's makeup done so heavy. Like, that was one thing that I noticed is that Sonia never really wears heavy makeup and Bashan does. And it was so interesting to see Sonia. Like, anytime I, the other side of it is that all those clothes that Sonia wears were clothes that she has. But I thought it was also really interesting to see people, like, to see Sonia style herself in a way that she would never style herself. Like, seeing her come down in those high heels, it just kind of made me realize how much, like, Sonia would never do that. Like, more than anything, I, I, that was my enjoyment out of that pairing is that Sonia took a lot of effort. Was it, did it pay off? Maybe, maybe not. But she took a lot of effort into getting some of the like specific aspects about Bashan that you can get from knowing someone that you've seen maybe like five times. Yeah, I agree with you. For both of them, I felt that they just raided their own wardrobes to like find an outfit like that's something I would do I like hate dress up parties so I would just like find like a red and white like striped top in my wardrobe and be like I'm like where's Wally I was like trying to figure out who you were going to be with the red and white I was like okay like you know what I mean and I feel like that's the same thing like Sonia and Bashan just both like looked into their like wardrobes both found like fur coats and like Bashan was just like this is like Sonia by Sonia Morgan. Like yeah. it was like it was zero. $200. They took the elements and that was interesting. But yeah, definitely I mean Ebony was the MVP for me. What did you think though of the questions that Luann put together? And for me, the question here is what did you think about like how serious and deep that it got? Cause you know I how like... I I would have preferred if they had same question I think the issue for me is that Luann wrote such specific questions that were targeted and so like she gave herself the best one and knew what she was going to say and made herself last so it's more for me it was just like everything was too calculated but at the same time I'm really over like the Leah Ramona journey like it makes me vomit but they're like mother and daughter they're not, and that's why it makes me vomit. <laughs> um, but I mean, at the same time, like it was kind of in- it was interesting to watch. Look, it was good. We love a round table, even if it's a square one. You know, this was definitely an episode of round tables. You know, definitely round table talk. <laughs> not the red table talk, the round table talk. Okay. Um, 
And that kind of like brought us to the end. Of a maybe finale. Well, I mean, look, there's a lot of talk that this whole, like, you know, just in the same vein as OC and potentially Atlanta at the moment, like New York might also be on that list of flagships franchises that are on life support and need an urgent transplant. 100%. Well, Moshi, let's move across to Beverly Hills. Actually, before we move to Beverly Hills, I do have a question for you. Oh, what's sorry, that? sorry. Okay, so the reunion is potentially coming up. I'm curious. Let's do a seating arrangement prediction. So, who is sitting next to Andy? Who are the two women sitting next to Andy? Ramona. It's Ramona, and then it's probably Leah on the other side. Isn't that annoying? Because it should be Ebony. Ebony will be next to Leah. She'll be but, in the middle. But Ebony should be next to Andy. And that's the thing that annoys me. That I know it will be Leah and Leah gave us nothing this season. Oh, I mean it could it could be Ebony. Maybe that's why she's suing the network. Maybe. But I mean we definitely know it's gonna be Ramona. And yeah, the fact that it's gonna be Leah is something in the back of my mind that just annoys me, but it should be Ebony. I mean Moshi, I, I dare to remind you that last season, Andy was actually at the end of the circle. Yes. I I mean, if they do it that way, who is sitting closest to Andy? I mean, it's still Ramona. And then you think it's Leah and then it's... Well, no, because then Leah would have to be on the other end because they've got to face off to each other some way. You can't be sitting next to each other. So do we think they're going to do auditorium style again? Because I feel like he's back to doing the three rows thing. I feel like there's less social distancing now. Oh, there totally is. I mean, pandemic, sorry. (laughs) In New York. Okay. But Luann is definitely not sitting in the middle. She's on an end. Or maybe it'll be Sonia, because I feel like Sonia doesn't care where she sits. Well, there's only five women, so it'll be Ramona and Luann on one side, yeah. and it'll be Leah and Ebony on the other. And Sonia. And probably, so, Sonia could go either way, but she'll probably be sitting next to Ebony, I would say. I agree. And then when Bashan joins, she can sit next to Luann. Fabulous. I just wanted to make sure. I just want. I just thought about that. I was like, that'd be interesting. And then, like, I, I want us to also, because we know that the Beverly Hills reunion is going to be filmed shortly... Andy is asking everybody everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, give him the questions, give him the questions. I'm curious for your seating predictions for that also at some point. Okay, I'll have to think. Have a think. But before we talk about seating arrangements, talk to me about your thoughts about this episode. Yeah, so season 11, episode 14. Wow. We are, like, we're in the final stretch of this Oh, 100%. I mean, I just want to start off by saying that Dorit's, like, wedding dresses have finally arrived in this episode. I feel like, I don't know, I just thought it would be more of a plot point, given that we saw so much of it in, like, the original trailer. It was it was more of a segue so that we could get to Dorit talking about how she feels about Erica and Tom. That's all it was. It was an open-up because the conversation happens with PK. If, if they hadn't had that conversation then, we never would have seen the dresses. And I'd never need to see Dorit or PK ever again either. So moving right along. Right there with you. 
my my opening takeaway from this is interesting because you're like Dorit stresses have finally arrived and mine was Dorit finally got a tried to finally get a storyline I mean she's been trying she's been trying she's trying to make herself relevant at the moment I feel a hundred percent um look I want to start off by talking about my current MVP for Beverly Hills Sutton she has a new theory on everything at the moment she says that Tom has turned around to Erica and said, the gig is up, get out now. And it's meant to be jig, and that's the bit that's funny. The phrase is, the jig is up. But she said gig, and I thought it was funny. You didn't, Sutton said gig, but, like, the phrase is jig. I didn't even know that the phrase was jig. Yeah. I thought it was gig. Isn't the gig up? No, it's the jig. <laughs> well... Moshi, is the jig up and it's time to get out? Do you think that Tom told Erica this? Yes. Ooh. Ooh. I think I... We've, said, we've said that from the beginning. You think so? I I don't think Tom was the one that said it. I, don't, I... I think there is some cahoots. And hear me out on this. I don't necessarily think that is a bad thing. I think, you know, you stand by your man, okay? She hasn't said one bad thing about that evil man all season. Thank you. And I I think, you know, I think everything that Sutton is saying that we've seen sort of come out is everything that we were saying before the season premiered. It's everything we were saying when it was the divorce one day and then the lawsuits the next is that, it all, everything, I guess everything is happening at once and it's hard to believe that at no point has she been using the show to convey a really specific narrative because, I mean, it, there's no, like, if Tom is, is unwell, you know, he's sick, then their marriage is ended perhaps you know he and I do believe that he would say to her like get out of this marriage and I think he is wanting to do every I think that they are in in it in it together I don't think that he would have invested invested in inverted commas all that money into the EJ LLC and into financing her business if there wasn't some love or agreement or whatever it is between them at the end of the day I still think that they I think the thing that I always liked about Tom and Erica is that they were always a team it is what it is why is Erica Jane the only charity case that Tom Girardi hasn't tried to steal from that's my question well this is the thing Erica would say that he has oh oh I, th- I think the other side of this is, and look, Strutton, 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 the end of this episode she kind of walks back on the things that she said she was going to say which is fine everybody's allowed to change their mind 
but um yeah i think there's definitely some sort of cahoots going on so um we had unseen footage get released and i really hate how they do this but it was like after the episode aired last week we see this scene where Sutton discusses, and this is at Kyle's house. Was it? No, it, was, it wasn't Kyle's. Was it um, Doritos? Doritos. Yeah. That Sutton offered Erica money to help finance the divorce proceedings. No, that's not what she offered her money for. It wasn't to support, it wasn't to finance the support, the divorce proceedings. It was to have some cushioning because she had nothing. It was like just alone so that she could get her groceries, so that she could get her nails done, so that she could still kind of live a little bit to the life that she'd been accustomed to because Sutton had had that opportunity herself. Okay. So regardless, she had offered Erica cash. Erica declined the offer, which I think works in Sutton's favour. 100%. But I think this informs a lot of what Sutton is talking about, right? Because Sutton's whole thing is like, I don't want to be implicated. Because obviously at the time that Sutton has offered this cash, all that's on the table is the divorce, right? So she's thinking, I'm going to help my girl out, give her some cash so she can like get on her feet and then move on with this divorce, right? But then it turns into this whole... Tom Dryde is allegedly stealing from like his his victims and all the rest of it, right? So now I feel like I understand Sutton's position so much more than I did before. I think I still supported her point of view before. I think there is still this thing of like, what if I say something on the show that then implicates me or that makes me like be brought into the legal proceedings? I'm going to get a subpoena. I don't want to be a part of any of this can we be discussing this on the show? Like, what's, like, the legal, you know, situation here? I think Sutton was totally, like, okay to be asking all those questions. I think she was okay to be asking Erica those questions as well because I think the group needs to be guided by Erica and her legal counsel too. But the fact now that we know that Sutton was close enough to Erica to say, like, he's in cash to get you on your way, um, I mean, I understand now. I understand so much more. I, look, I totally agree with you. I think that there are two elements to this, like, that are obviously combined. One is that there is a divorce and then the other is the alleged theft from the victims. And I think the biggest issue, and I think it kind of comes out at this dinner party, is like, okay, I think we're all, like, I don't know, a bit beyond wanting to know what Erica knew and at some point as well it's 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 the fact that Erica is at a a point where she won't she won't give so all we've ever gotten really and I mean fair enough this this is where it's like well did Erica really give us everything like did did she was she truly vulnerable with us or again has she consistently only given us things that worked in her favor because in this episode, the way, like, I am stubborn, okay? I am stubborn. I hold grudges. I can be solid as a rock. I can be ice cold. But w- but watching the way that 
Erica could not, was so unwilling to even give a morsel of understanding as to how other people could be implicated. Like Erica is so in her own world right now and is so like, I am the victim here. I am the victim. I am the victim. And so unwilling to shift away from that narrative and so unwilling to see how it could potentially be perceived as in other ways. Like it's just willful ignorance. Like all of it is so dumb to me. And like the fact that she's basically saying to these women, you are either with me or you're against me. Like even giving ultimatums without any understanding of how anyone could perceive that they could be implicated to me is just not working in her favor, number one. And so dumb. I honestly believe that if it was Sutton in this situation or it was Garcelle in this situation, Erica would a hundred percent be, I don't want to be implicated. I don't want to be associated. In fact, I think she would have been the first one to be like, Tom actually said to me as a lawyer that I should distance myself from them. Like she would a hundred percent be the first one. I, I disagree with you because. On I what think... grounds you're on it? Objection. Um, I think that Erica is, is justified in how she feels. Who gives a shit what Sutton thinks of this is Erica's legal battle now, right? This is it's who and I don't I would be the same. I don't care about how you feel you're involved in any of this because at the end of the day, Sutton is not on any of the paperwork. Right? No, I agree with you on that, but that's that's not the issue anymore. The issue at the moment is that Erica cannot see anything else but her own existence and that to me is not a good friend that to me is just not right she can't even see the victims patrizia like she is so just in her own world it's not healthy sorry i cut you off but it's because i just am passionate well i was all i was gonna say is but erica knows that sudden offered her money so sudden is involved in all of this anyway so like how Erica should understand that she's just ignoring the whole fact that Sutton is involved at this point, really. I don't think Sutton's involved at all for offering her money. The money would have, wouldn't have had anything to do with anything. I think even if she'd accepted the money from Sutton, Sutton wouldn't have been part of any ploy or anything like that. Like, it was I'm a not... good faith loan. I don't, I, don't, no, I don't mean it in that sense. Like, I just mean that she, like, Erica should understand more so why Sutton is a bit like, oh, my God, what have I done? Why did I offer you this? Like, you know what I mean? Erica has the context of knowing that Sutton offered her the cash at the beginning and now has clearly walked back and been like, oh, like, shouldn't have done that. Don't really know you. Like, I don't want I don't want to know you. I don't know. You know what? Look, I will give credit where credit's due today. I think this episode as well, I think we finally understood all the positions. I think at this point we know that Kyle is firmly in the I'm just believing everything that Erica says. Um, we know that Dorit is like, I, as much as I hate Dorito, and I was finally glad that she spoke up, I am on the Dorit Garcelle kind of vibe from the end of this conversation, which is one of 
nobody is out to attack you but we as your friends and as people who are associated with you like this is Erica's only job at the moment these are the only people that she's you know kind of speaking to all the time that you know they they should have uh uh in if they are all friends then you know there might be things that they know that could allude to a guilty or negative of of her but i think i think the sh- i think what has really happened is that the last few episodes things have not gone the way that erica wanted them to go on the show and so now she is completely locking down and is very much trying to make it look like these people are against her none of them are against her um and I just think, you know, we're back to getting the real Erica Jane, this, like, who is this woman, this woman who thinks that she, who, who is entitled and believes that she is owed something regardless. And it's just like, I was just like, hey, once again, you didn't give us anything. You only gave us what you wanted to give us. And I would like a refund. I'm not getting what I paid for. No, how much did you pay? That's in the legal document. Speaking of legal documents, I know we didn't mention this, but last week or this week, but did you see that the, um, okay, so you know about it then. <laughs> are you gonna, Are you talking about Erica's, like, where her cash has gone and all this conversation? Yeah. And people are trying to do forensic accounting on, like, the names of these companies and who they're owned by and why they're there and is, is that... What you want to get to. Well, I wasn't going to go that deep. I was going to say that the reason that, that that information came out is because Erica is suing someone. So she was suing, like, this other law office, lawyers. She law was firm. suing them. Yeah, law firm, mate. Where is my vocab tonight? Fuck yeah. She's suing, like, this law firm for, like, slander or for just saying all of this stuff because they were saying that she'd spent all this money and she was like saying that she had it and all this stuff and they had the documents like they were allowed to release the documents and so when she was suing them they went okay sue us and so they had to produce all the documentation as evidence so to me it's not about like I don't think you need a forensic accountant like the evidence just shows that there was a credit card that Tom had that is for Erica and Erica just spent it on the life that we've seen on The Real Housewives. Like, I don't think that's, like, a secret. Um, but I think I, I think what she doesn't... what The thing that is kind of evident here, regardless of what Erica knew, is that she has been... She has received proceeds of crime. Right? Her, her lifestyle has been funded at the expense of criminal activity. And that is something that she can't shy away from. It kind of doesn't matter what you know, what you don't know. Like, speak to a mob wife. Like, this is all the same shit that they have gone through for eons. Like, you know? And it's, I think she's allowed to talk. I think she should open up and say, it's humiliating. It's heartbreaking. I trusted him. He took advantage. Like, all of those things could be could be fine. But it's just a lack of understanding that, this this happened and you have to you have to there are some truths about it that you have to acknowledge and she's refusing to acknowledge those truths honey she made a deal with the devil and the devil always comes knocking fucking i love it when like 
Sutton goes full southern. It's always she, when her accent dips, it's brilliant. She has some great one-liners. Yes. She pulled them all out in this episode. <laughs> yeah, and they were brilliant. Um, okay, so in this same vein, how did you feel? This is where Crystal, I never, I never quite understand it. So I understand that Crystal is very much on Team Garcelle, and I kind of thought that her and Sutton had sorted everything out. But it seems to me at her um, duck pancake dinner, which looked exquisite, by the way, um, that Crystal still has a chip on her shoulder about Sutton. She's still not, te- she, like, you don't have to be team Sutton, but she is still just like Sutton is an awkward woman. Sutton is this. I don't trust her. Well, I mean, th- did they ever resolve anything? I think they kind of were just like, this ends here. I don't well, think it was, like, resolved. Well, I kind of, I assumed, I had thought that they had unionised because of, like, the other girls becoming, like, a girl gang and um, for whatever reason she had kind of come, she... To me, I kind of got the sense that she understood where Sutton was coming from. But then in this episode, she kind of went full mean girl again when she was like, well, I never heard of Sutton Strack. Um, You know, all of that sort of stuff. And I was just like, oh, you're going back to being that person again, Crystal. Come on. You've come so far. Well, I mean, Garcelle had heard of Rob Minkoff. She never heard of Crystal. (laughs) I mean... They do float in different circles. Um, I think that this is like a Beverly Hills thing. I think it's like, well, like, I've never heard of you before. Like, you know, and it's just like it's a society thing. Like, you know, well, if I've never heard of you, then who are you? Like, how are you my – how are you – how have you lived here for 10 years and I've never run into you at any parties? Oh, we have so many mutual friends, but how come we've never met? Like, I think it's just that kind of environment that they live in. And I think Crystal is like deep in it as well as I think Crystal's got a bit of that, like she wants to be in with the pretty white girls. Like, I think it's a little bit of that as well. Yeah. I think maybe you're right as well. I think she doesn't want to be on the outs. She wants to be in because I guess she's been othered. So often, I just thought it was very rich of her and Erica saying all of that sort of stuff. Well, I um, mean, who had heard of Erica Jane before Beverly Hills? I, I 100% agree with you. A lot of them, we didn't know who they were. You know, one note that I took is that, bless her, Kyle. If Kyle didn't have her sisters and she didn't have her mother, she'd have nothing on this show. They honestly are the most interesting things about her. Yes, correct. And it's just, it's so weird. I will say that I did like that her and Mauricio celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary and that Mauricio was clearly stoned. It's brilliant. I mean, when is he not stoned? Exactly. And that's what I love. I hated her pink oversized shirt. (laughs) That whole scene was just such a nothing scene for me. Oh, like, and it was the fact that he was, like, saying that it was a nothing scene as well was brilliant. But it's just, like, if she can't talk about her sisters, if she can't talk about Big Kathy and her four husbands, I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm like, I need the Big Kathy expose. Big Kathy <laughs> is the most fascinating thing of all of the Richard sisters, like, at this point. But um, 
I'm just trying to think before we talk to the actual pièce de résistance, who is Kathy Hilton. I'm just trying to think if there are just some other non-Kathy adjacent things that I want to just touch on. I think actually, well, this is like Kathy Hilton adjacent, but Dorit. When Dorit was like at the at the dinner party, when Dorit was like, you know, tray white gloves, like this is what I want. It again spoke to this thing where I was like, Dorit is still in the aspirational phase of her life. Like I am all about like, you know, you've got to. I'm all about the secret. You've got to visualize it to make it happen. You know, I believe in that sort of stuff, but like. Dorit to me is like big time social climber and it's not <laughs> it's not fun to watch it's just not it's not subtle anymore it's not subtle anymore now that like people like Kathy are on the show I mean all I could think about at this dinner party was the fact that like Lisa Rinna and Dorit walked in and they they just don't belong there you like in his mullet it wasn't giving it no but like she Lisa Rinna is not on the same level as Kathy Hilton. No, but Lisa Rinna knows how to phone it in. Like Lisa Rinna at least talks about the fact that Kathy is money and doesn't try to compare herself to her. But at the same time, I also do believe that Lisa Rinna is money because Lisa Rinna is far more subtle about her her wealth. Like she only gets dressed at these events, she dresses up. Any other time we see her, she's in, like, such casual attire. She's so chilled. She's in the garden with Harry. Like, they are real. They've been in Hollywood a long, long time. They know how to just do it and, like, be fine about it. Whereas I feel like with Dorit, she just makes everything such an event. And it's like, honey, calm down. (laughs) I've never heard of Dorit before this show. And I will never hear about her ever again after she leaves this show. She will never be at Kathy Hilton's level of wealth. She shouldn't even try. She should start trying to pay off her credit cards is all I have. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's not even just about the wealth. I think it's kind of just about how you, just how you behave. And it's it's just the, there's, you know what it is. Dorit is just not humble. Ooh. I mean, Dorit is like, I don't know, the epitome of Beverly Hills, I feel. She's nouveau riche. You know, she's just nouveau riche. She's not riche. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't get the riche. She's, she's nouveau just... loan. Like, between the clothes, the credit card and the house, like, nothing is owned. The True. car. Uh, you know, when PK, like, gifted her that car... I have never seen it again. Facts. And now Sutton has a bigger, better version of the same car. I mean, do you want to talk about Humble? The fact that Sutton's house was only $5 million. I was like, look at this humble home for Sutton. (laughs) Like, she's renovating the fuck out of it. But, like, I thought, given the kind of sense of the money that I think that she has access to, I thought it was a, like... Uh, mid-range choice for her. Oh, yeah, because 100% they would normally buy, you know, $23,000, $23 million properties and things like that, $100 million properties. Like, they buy estates like Kathy Hilton. Like, I, I 100% am with you. Um, 
Oh, totally. Like, I think she, she I, I would have pictured for her like a $10 million mansion around the corner from like Kyle's house in that same style as well. Yeah. Like, very that. Um, well, I mean, look, we're talking money, we're talking wealth. Let's talk about the Kathy Hilton of it all. I mean, this. I mean, she's not doing salmon, darling. Honey, sometimes she goes to parties and it's the same people, the same food every single time. But that is not how Kathy Hilton rolls. <laughs> I, I mean, she sounds like a good time. Do you, like, can you believe, can you believe that Kathy Hilton cleans her own crystal and polishes her own silver? Can you believe it? Yes. It's this thing of like, you know, when you're rich, when you're that rich, you just want to do some like, you know, commoner tasks sometimes just to keep it real. I think it's because she just has a certain eye. So I think she is doing it with her staff. <laughs> uh, she, she's doing it after they've like they've done the most of it, and she comes. I, across and the... by her cleaning it herself, I mean she is looking over their shoulder. You <laughs> missed a spot, darling. No, I think she. I think they clean it, and then Kathy Hilton comes along with the final rag and like gets the bits that they've missed. I think yeah. she. I think she does get down and dirty but it's definitely yeah. not the full she's not doing the full dinner set but, but we have to we have to remember she is a ho- like her and her husband are hoteliers like they've come from hospitality so like are we allowed to say that Kathy Hilton comes from a hospitality background well she does she, industry. she so, worked she worked as a server at the at the Waldorf oh facts so I think that like she also knows, like, what it takes, like, to do private dieting, how it takes to do those things. And I do think that, like, you know, I mean, there's Booker de Beppo and then there's Kathy Hilton's house, right? So <laughs> I do what? think that, Kath- that Kathy knows how to design an experience. It's not the Hilton house. It's the, it's the residence, as Kyle had to announce herself on the phone when somebody picks up and says the Hilton residence. Like, the way that no Hilton one knows who there, Kyle it's is. It's her sister, Kyle. Well, the way that no one knows who Kyle is in that house, like, is a lot <laughs> to me. Like, Patrick the butler, like, fabulous, but also had no idea who Kyle Richards was. Well, yeah, but I don't think he's also the full-time butler. And I think it also goes to show that, she hasn't been there for a while. Oh yeah, definitely not. He he's he's new. Like she hasn't. She was there when the old butler was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was her last trip <laughs> to Kathy's house. But I mean, even just like how Kathy's on the phone to Kyle and like talking to like everyone except for Kyle. So I think that that's a tactic to get people off the phone. Like I think Kathy a hundred percent was like. You're asking me about what to wear. That is literally the least I could care about. I care more about the blueberries. <laughs> I never thought about before. No, I was the whole time because as soon as Kyle says bye, Kathy's like, bye. Like that is so cute that she's basically telling you, like, this is a nonsense conversation. You've called me, so you, you know, you need to end it. That's that's like I think like how very wealthy white people do it. Well, look, Kathy Hilton had to prepare for this dinner party from hell, part two. Like, what was part one? It was the other dinner party. They're, it's basically all of the dinner parties that they've had recently. 
I mean, I can't keep up at this point. Who, um, you know, there were some fashions. We have to talk about the Beverly Hills fashions, I feel. Who did you, like, think was best dressed? For me, I, I think that Erica knows what to wear to a party. I think Crystal looked fantastic, but I've seen that dress a gazillion times already, so I'm not really that into it. But for me, it was Erica. I, I, you know, you, the thing that I can't take away from Erica is that even when she does do like the head to toe brands or she does something, it is a look. And I think she knew where she was going today. And, you know, I, I love a simple like tuxedo, but done differently. I love, you know, a side part. I, I mean, Erica for me was, was the best dress. Wasn't she wearing a white shirt with holes through it? Yeah, but then she also had, like, these tuxedo pants and it was, like, stylized. She had, like, a little bralette underneath her hair. It's fashion. Look, I I can't explain it to you, okay? It's fashion. Um, Look, um, for me, I really love Sutton's orange jacket with the embellishment on it. I love that. Probably, I think it's, to me, it feels like it's probably Dolce & Gabbana, so... I spit on it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, God hailed on Dolce & Gabbana the other day. So. Thank God. Um, well, you know, speaking of best dressers like Erica, like this time I noticed that she wore waterproof mascara. <laughs> Do you think that Lisa Rinna has been giving her soap opera lessons? Because her performance tonight. Oh, wasn't it? It was days of our lives to a T. Like... How dare you? It was a lot. Don't talk to me like that. Or what? Or what? Or what? <laughs> it was a lot of like, like everything was a question at the end of it. It was like, and how do you think? Like, it was everything was so purposeful. What was the one where she was like, either, just when she was like, either you're with me or you're against me. And those who are against me are going to see. It was like very, you'll rue the day you went against Erica Jane. <laughs> it was very It was villain vibes. I think that she wasn't prepared for that. Had she known that that was going to be the scene, she would have worn the waterproof mascara. <laughs> I don't think she should ever not wear waterproof mascara at this point. Like, she should just be prepared to cry on cue. Constantly. I just... My favourite thing is just, like, Rina is just, like, so out of her depth. She has already aligned herself with the Erica Jane train, so she just can't say anything. It's interesting. But I did feel bad for Kathy because Kathy specifically said the way she shut down Dorit when Dorit tried to speak to Gabriel <laughs> and then it just turned anyway. It's because Dorit talks too much and Kathy Hilton knows that. Yes, but, yeah. Dorit still ended up speaking. She ended up getting her stuff in, just not about Garcelle. But I do think that Kathy Hilton will never have them over again. That's it. They've blown it now. Well, you know that Kathy Hilton's kids were, like, upstairs, like, watching over the balcony of the stairs, like, listening to the fight that was happening downstairs. They weren't. Yes, they were. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the Instagram post. Oh, my God. Like, legit? That's hilarious to me. What, one thing that I did take away when we're talking about the fashions... Kathy Hilton's outfit. It was not what I was expecting her to wear, but I swear to God, I have seen Nikki Hilton in that exact same outfit 
and it's the ringlets. Like it's very like Tinsley Mortimer. Like it was, it's a very specific socialite outfit. And I was like, wow, that's so fascinating. Because, because I think I'm just so used to seeing Kathy in like pants or like a lounge suit or like, you know, trackies. And to see her in this like cute little shift dress with the heels and the way that she walks, she does not have an elegant walk, much like Kyle. Kyle also doesn't have an elegant walk. And I thought that was interesting to see. Yes, I definitely agree with you. It's a very like specific look. I feel like I've seen Paris Hilton dressed like that occasionally as well. Yes. Like it is definitely a family thing. If it's, not a... It's, it's a socialite 101. Like if you're blonde, you've got to have the ringlets. You've got to have this like, you know, pure demeanor. It's very fascinating. I do feel bad that Kathy did try to like cut the conversation. I mean, sudden try to clear the air with Erica that got shut down too. Like this was meant to be a nice meal. The Baccarat was out. Ooh. I don't know. And then, yeah, they definitely got into it. I felt after watching this though, that Kyle was like in a way using Sutton to like get information that she wants as well. Because I think that Kyle is just as curious as Sutton, but she's not the one to jump out and say it, right? So when she was really pushing Sutton to be like honest with how, you know, the questions that she was asking and all the rest of it and the things that she had said four days before, I think it's just because Kyle wants to know the answers. I mean, as we all do, but like Sutton, I feel like, because Sutton, no, it wasn't, who was asking who's been thrown under the bus? Like, I feel like, was that Sutton the other week? Sutton thought that Dorit threw her under the bus a little. I think Kyle's kind of thrown Sutton a little under the bus this week. I think they all have, but I think, yeah, I thought it was interesting. But Sutton, I mean, but Kyle didn't lie. I probably would have done the same thing because Sutton did backtrack. Well, I think Sutton is just trying to work out what's the nicest way to say it and still be honest. I don't think that Sutton hasn't been, like, you know, completely honest with her truth at the moment. That's just me. I've got to agree. Well, this episode has gone on a lot longer than we anticipated. I I knew this was going to happen. It happens every week. (laughs) Well... I'm just going to put it out there. We're not talking about New York next week. And it's almost time for Salt Lake City. Two weeks to go. Great. Well, like, more like a week and a half to go, really. So everyone can look forward to these podcasts lasting for three hours in the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as always, Patrizio, love speaking to you. I know. Well, if you've loved listening to us, you can rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. There is the pod, uh, the podcast Instagram from the Lower Level Pod. And then we do this all again next week. We'll do it all again next week. Until Bye. then. Bye, Moshi. Au revoir.